Tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air Welcome to ASI Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. I am your host, Russ Shaw. Welcome. That was uh, Chris Brown and uh, Jordan Sparks. No air. One of my passions for doing this show is um, is the fact that, that it, what happens is I talked about the, the three layers of identity and, and stuff like that and trying to get different analogies and different metaphors get you to understand where I'm coming from and, and how to really go after this addiction, this uh, behavior, this whatever you're stuck in, whatever you call this, um, why you're listening, being able to achieve sexual integrity has to do with uh, with heart condition. And I'm, I'm just going right into the gate here because this is kind of an ongoing series. Um, also, if you're listening to this uh, kind of, it, this is not really a standalone type of show. It's a series of shows I, I'm doing called The Full Armor of God. If you go back and, and download the first uh, show, The Full Armor of God, this is going to make a, a heck of a lot more sense. So, going in succession here. So, anyways, I uh, just wanted to make that little announcement there. Also, I'm getting a lot of questions as I unpack and talk about the full armor of God and what it really means and uh, what Paul was really trying to communicate and what I would, uh, how I would contextualize this for uh, the new millennia uh, talking about today is, you know, it's, it's different. And I'm getting a lot of questions. And I want you to... Uh, Keep sending those questions. It's Russ at ASI247.org. I have a voicemail line. 206-866-5460. And you can call, and if you want your voice on the show, I had a voicemail line before. It didn't go over so well. A lot of people don't like their, their voice on the uh, ASI show. But you are more than welcome to do that if you like. Ask any question you want. Uh, towards the end of July, I'm going to go ahead and go through those um, questions. Do a whole series of shows on that. Looking forward to it. I have a lot of questions that I'm asked over and over and over again. I'm going to talk about the, the most popular ones. This series of shows is stirring up a lot of questions. So, Russ at ASI247.org and the voicemail line 206-866-5460 which is free goes through uh, Grand Central, which I love uh, Grand Central through Google. You can get a free uh, voicemail line, which is awesome. Anyhow, continuing on with the uh, full armor of God, I'm going to talk about my favorite subject, which is uh, tackling what is the breastplate of righteousness. Um, That song that I played opening up, talking about how do I breathe with no air? One of my passions doing this show is to talk about Jesus, to talk about Christianity, and to talk about it in the the realm of the first century church, and not necessarily westernized uh, evangelical Christian, okay? Because it's different, okay? The Christians in the first century didn't have a lot of hang-ups like people do now, trying to look good on the surface. Um, They just wanted to live out of their hearts and try and figure out what it meant to to really live this life, live it passionately, live it without uh, hang-ups, without, you know, roadblocks and uh, 
these kind of boundaries that sin seems to tangle us up in. You know, living free, live free or die is a song by Skillet that that really uh, talks about this. I'm going to play that song in a minute here, but it's 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 not choking. All right, I talked about the balloon guy, which is an analogy that uh, C.S. Lewis had in his book, The Great Divorce. I talked about that in the last show. And that is the more we pump up that self, that kind of uh, surface identity, you know, whether you're, you know, your job you pour yourself into or even minister, even pastor, even, you know, worship leader, whatever you do, whatever you tie your identity to, if it's all just total surface and you use that to try and keep yourself afloat to survive, like a survival mechanism, right? Um that that it just starts to choke out your heart and you just can't breathe okay jesus talks about this parable of the sower and one of the one of the things that he's talking about the reason why the the gospel doesn't really take root in your heart is because it gets choked out by the cares of this world and that is a big part of that 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 balloon creature that that guy that you just you know your pride and your you're, this is who I am, and you just you're just adamant about it. And we're we just so want to survive in that. We just so have these habitual patterns in our minds that just keep us stuck in being the balloon guy, right? Being um, label yourself, okay? Slap a label on you. Who are you, okay? One of the things I'm criticized for is I say that you know if you're a Christian, the sin that's in your life that's not who you are. Paul tells that to the Corinthians. He, he names this whole list. He says, you know, and I, I've heard this preached in church, and this whole breastplate of righteousness, I've heard it said, you know, just get right. You know, you just got to act right, and you got to stop watching those movies, listen to that music, and then you'll just be fine. Just get yourself right. Well, what does that look like, okay? I'm going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness, but first, we have to talk about who you are. You have to really ask yourself, what are you investing in? your heart or your surface identity and when that surface identity is threatened what are you gonna do are you gonna live free or die this is skillet Strength, fix these broken things. Nothing left to fight. You can't take away my strength. Fix these broken things. There's nothing left to fight. You can't take away my pride. I won't be denied. There's nothing left to fight. Nothing left to fight
love that song. That's that balloon character, right? You can't take away my pride. You can't fix these broken things, you know? It's it's that attitude of that, that you just, you know, you're just breathing in. It's just, and you're not exhaling. And, and what that looks like is, you know, you keep building that. I'm going to talk frank to some of you pastors, okay? And I want you to, to hear me because this is going to be harsh, all right? I love you, but I'm getting, I get emails. If you want to know, I mean, people have thought that I was a balloon character with all my rants on religion. It's my frustration with this building up and pumping up all this theological arguments about, uh, you know, about Jesus and about justification and, and stuff like that. Here's the deal. What you're doing is you're trying to just not repent of your sin. You're trying to, to keep yourself. You're trying to keep yourself. You're trying to pump up that guy, that pastor. You need to talk about it. You need to get out in the open. Listen, as soon as you confess, okay, as soon as you confess, you see what I'm saying? You can exhale. And I'm going to talk about community too. Some of you think that I'm, I'm my some of my rants on religion are mean that you shouldn't go to church. No, absolutely not. You should be involved in a church. I quoted a guy named uh, Doug Paget, who's kind of an emergent guy. I'm not an emergent guy. Okay. I talked about some of uh, George Barna's material and, and, and quoted him a couple of times. I don't believe that we should just hit the eject button on the church and all do house church. I think that that's important. I think we should be in community. I think we should be meeting and, and sharing meals and stuff like that and in each other's homes. But do I think that we that means we don't corporately worship in, in one setting, in one building, you know? A lot of different Christians coming together where there's a place where you can get help for stuff. You need to be in, involved in a church, but my my caution and my discernment that I want you to discern about is that there's a big chunk of churches out there that just aren't healthy, and you need to be able to discern that. You need to be able to find the ones that are and to be able to open up so you can exhale, so you can exhale. I did the uh, the matrix analogy with uh, the concept of being alone and just staying alone in this this aloneness. Not talking about loneliness, all right? You can be around other people and still be alone. Not be lonely because you're surrounded by people, but are you able to exhale? Are you able to talk about the issues that, that are going on in your heart without being picked apart and criticized? Can you exhale? Can you exhale? I remember I went into... Uh, this group and I just got brutally honest. I said, "Listen, you know, I'm addicted to porn and I don't know what to do. And I and I, you know, I'm stuck and I, I'm, I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm tr troubles, my marriage. I, she's about ready to leave me. I don't blame her. You know, talking about my wife and come to find out, you know, when you get open and raw and honest like that in a group, people's attitude changes." You know, their, their shoulders start to drop. They don't look so uptight. When when somebody, if this is a real authentic group where people start to get to know each other, love each other, this is this can be a huge way to uh, breathe, you know? 
when I started talking about this, I started getting honest. It's it's like uh, Rick talked about in the show I did a couple of years ago, where he said, you know, it's like blowing the lid off of community. It's also like being baptized by fire. You know, it's a different kind of baptism. You know, you're all, you get into that baptism mode and you're, you're like afraid they're going to dunk your head under water. You got a brace for that. You ready? You come up out of the water and what do you do? <sighs> Breathe. The same thing in group, man. Somebody breaks the ice. Somebody pops the lid off the jar and people start opening up their hearts. And what it really is, is an obedience to Christ because he is our righteousness. Okay. I talked about it in the last show and I, hopefully some of you guys didn't, you know, take that the wrong way that following Jesus is, is not, you know, this Jesus is some kind of set of rules. I really think that there's a lot of churches out there that just don't believe that. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. They, they look at that, they, they don't really believe it. My first sexual addiction counselor, Christian counselor, part of a big, huge church in the, in the Seattle area, Kirkland. And he's like, you know, yeah, lie to your wife. It's cruel to tell her. That's against what the Bible says. And, and basically, it's just putting my, my hands, my life in, in the, the hands of a lie as my Savior. But Jesus is our Savior, not just some set of rules that we try and follow to be, to, to do the right thing, you know? You don't, do, do you understand what I mean by that? When you get in group and start being honest and start saying, Here, here's, where I, here's where I struggle. You know, the Apostle Paul, Romans 7, he's like, you know, I, I do what I don't want to do. And, and what I want to do, what I should do, I don't do. You know, my flesh and my spirit are at war. You know, what a wretched man am I? This is a guy that wrote, you know, two-thirds of your New Testament. Talking about his struggle. And then he ends it with, you know, and Jesus, Jesus is... is my righteousness. Jesus is my savior. Jesus is coming into my heart to rescue me from that. You know? At the end of, of Romans chapter 7, read that. It's truth. We can't do it on our own. Alright? I love that, uh, you know, what I said a few shows ago about uh, Paul's, you know, religious resume. He says, I, I, I count it all as dung. All that, uh, all that achievement that I made in the law. He says, I, it's just, it's just crap compared to the knowing Christ, knowing Jesus, knowing the teacher as your father who loves you is, is totally different than this you know, following some seminar or something like that, like you're, you know, in some class and the teacher is distant and you have to follow his instruction from a distance. And if you don't follow his instruction, you get what you deserve. That's just not biblical. Okay, the law is there to convict us of sin. 
I jump off a five-story building, I'm going to break my legs. If I not die, it's just the way things are. Well, it's cruel for there to be those laws. Well, it's just the way things are, okay? The Old Testament. Well, God's angry and mad and kills a lot of people. And, you know, again, the, the Old Testament is just the way things are. Spilling out the way things are. Why we need a Savior. Why do we need a Savior? Because we can't do the law on our own. You get in group and you start talking about that honestly... You start getting looking in the eyes of other Christians, people that are trusting Jesus. Your sin is not who you are. You live from your heart. You have a new name, a new identity. The old has gone away and then, you know, the new is what's real. You start to look at your heart and your soul and living out of that as just as real as everything else around you. When you start to believe that, abide in it, as Jesus said. Truth will set you free. You know this this scripture about Jesus being at the knocking at the door. You knock at he's knocking at the door and he's asking if he can come in and everybody references to that right. And the church has put that on a mug and on a T-shirt. You know who Jesus was talking to? He was talking to a dead church. He was talking to a lukewarm church that had just lost their zeal. They didn't care. And a ton of churches are going to go out of business in this country. Some of you go to churches and you're involved in denominations that have sexual misconduct lawsuits. The people are giving money to the church out of their heart. They're giving money to God. And some of that money is going to protect the staff from their sexual misconduct. I'm not just talking about Catholics here either. I'm talking about major denominations in, in, in Christianity, evangelical, American Evangelical Church, 2006, for example. Everybody looks to, loves to point the finger at the Catholics when it comes to sexual misconduct, right? I, I, I love the church. This is, this is Christ's bride, the church church is full of messed up people okay there was there's a news story by the presbyterian church just came out with the their numbers and they've had the highest decline in attendance that, that they've had in, in like 20 years last year over 3,500 churches go out of business they, they close their doors forever every year okay and people lament over this. Um, it's it's okay. <laughs> Those churches go out of business. They, they close their doors. The church is in decline for a reason. Okay, read Revelations chapter 2. Okay, Jesus walks among the lampstands. Those are the churches. Okay. And he says in there, listen, if you're not going to repent, if you're not going to turn from your sin and turn towards me as your savior, not some set of rules or steps or your, you know, theology that you think you got all together. Jesus Christ as your savior, leaning into him, pointing people to him. 
He's like, if you're not going to do that, I'm going to put out your your light. No more church. Listen, if you have somebody in your church you suspect is molesting children or something like that, you need to call the police. Well, what do I do, Russ? This guy is a, you know, he's an upstanding citizen and he's a, you know, moral guy and everybody looks up to him and there's this, you know, there's this suspicion, there's this, uh, this kid said something and can I tell you something? 911. 911. You call the cops. I don't know. I might lose my job. The whole church will be turned upside down. Yeah, it will. It sure will. Praise God it'll be turned upside down. You have any idea what kind of a ripple effect that leaves? On a kid? On that kid's kids? On his friends? On his neighbors? On his life? Her life? Just turn the other cheek. That's not what Jesus was talking about. You call the police... Here in the United States, it's 911. Other parts of the world, you pick up the phone, you call the cops. Someone's molesting children in your church. You don't have a little committee meeting and, and discuss what to do. No. You call the, the police. You, uh, this isn't rocket science, please. Okay? I love you. I love the church. I just, I'm not going to to sit here and, and coddle you when it comes to sexual misconduct. It starts with sexual integrity. Every church that goes corrupt, every, you know, throughout the Bible, the false prophets, the churches and revelations, they're all marked with sexual immorality. That's the result. It's cause and effect. Your heart goes away from God, the deep part of your heart, the sexual appetite takes over because it's so deep, so far down there. The one thing we don't talk about, right? Keep to ourselves about our sexuality, about our needs, about our appetites, heart-level appetites, intimacy, being known. <sighs> Somebody gets me. Somebody knows me. Romans 3.20, no one is righteous under the law. The law is there to convict us of sin. Hebrews 8.10, I will write my laws in their hearts and minds. I will be their God and they will be my people. Those little twinges, those, those things in your heart, that still small voice, it's longing to breathe. And we reach for Jesus as our Savior, not faking, not hiding, not lying. Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21 God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might be the righteousness of God. This 
kind of theology that is uh, follow Jesus, be like Jesus, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's just kind of fancied up law, right? It's just more law. If we don't understand a relationship with Christ and what that means, you know, if we think that doing, we can't do the law, right? I'm not able to do the law. I'm not able to follow Jesus. I'm not able to be like Jesus. Heard that in group a lot. I'm not Jesus. People get all frustrated and throw up their hands, but I'm not Jesus. And I, I know you're not. Neither am I. That's why we reach for him. That's why we trust in him. That's why we ask him to save us. That's, that's repentance. Looking at him as our functional savior. Not a lie. Not porn. Not a bottle. Not golf. You know? Gambling. Whatever it is. It's, it's Jesus who saves us. And, and that's through relationship. And if you think that God's always disappointed at you because you can't be like Jesus, then, you know, well, where do you go with that? It's like it's like your kids, right? If you scream and yell at your kids, what do they do? They move away from you. They try and get away from you. Leave me alone. You're disappointed in me. Jesus is, is asking us, to, he's pleading with us. He's, you know, I'm here to save you from yourself. From your own sin, come and come to me. Trust me. I became all that sin. I became that thing that you're ashamed of, so that you can be righteous. So you can put on the new man. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness is putting on that heart identity. Being obedient to Christ means that we're we're not, you know, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against spirits of principalities and darkness in heavenly realms see we put on Jesus as our our breastplate of our armor our, our righteousness the breastplate of righteousness is Jesus is putting him on is reaching for him in relationship all right we're sons we're like adopted into this new family of Christ he's like our dad and he loves us you know I mean, you look around at your life and the grace that God's given you, right? If you're listening to my voice and you, you have a computer, you have a house, you have a place you rest your head, you are under his grace. You are bathed in it. You're bathing in his grace. Look how much he loves you. Okay? We, we seem to look at the, the, the bad stuff and look how, look how much I'm lacking. We don't look at how much he's already blessed us and we're already sons and we're already daughters in his in his family. We reach for dad as our righteousness. I was uh, doing a Google search for like armor, breastplate, uh, and breathe, right? I think I searched like tactical gear, stuff like that. And I found this... Uh, I found this this page where they have this deal that soldiers use for like in warfare. I came across this like breastplate breathing apparatus for soldiers that are like you know going into chemical you know there might be biological weapons or something like that, so they can breathe. All right, community is like that. 
the biggest breastplate of righteousness is understanding that you by your own power and and you should uh, hopefully you know this if you're listening to my voice right now hopefully you know this that you are um your righteousness is in is in jesus christ it's not by your own power it's not by white knuckling it it's not just going into your you know psychology that understanding your pathology your heart disease is that you need jesus all right if you're a Christian, if you've been saved, right, you got baptized maybe a couple times, feeling like it didn't take because you're still a sinner. Because a lot of pastors will tell you that you put on the breastplate of works, right? Just get right. Just start acting right. Stop doing those things. Stop it. And we put on the breastplate of works, and that, that doesn't work long term. It's white knuckling. Works for a little while. You just can't carry the weight, like Jesus said in Matthew 23, staggering under the weight, and and, and the you know the the priests and the Pharisees aren't lifting a finger to help; they're just stacking more weight on him. Here, here's a breastplate for you. It weighs 600 pounds. It's called works. It's called be a good boy, girl. Okay, you need to find out who Jesus really is, who he is. My, my my heart is that you would understand who Jesus is and not just look at him as, as guru, all right? I got uh, heard from a listener who said, well, guru means teacher. Well, yeah, but it also, you know, is the spiritual person, like it can become the pastor in the church, like pastor so-and-so, he's got it all together. That once you get saved, then Jesus hands you the ball and you got to carry righteousness. You got to get right or else you're not saved. That's not it. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, right? Jesus became our sin on the cross so that we may be righteous. In him, we may be righteous. Not by our own power. Okay, if you're not a Christian, you need to pray that out. Pray to God. Say, you know, God, did you really come here as a man to save me? As a, as a missionary in the world to, to save me? Did you really do that? Pray that out. Ask him. Ask him to reveal himself to you in your heart. Stop carrying around all this. <gasps> you know, you're just trying to, I'm just, I'm this guy, man. I'm this guy. I'm the guy at work. I'm the party guy. I'm the guy that does this. I'm the guy that has that. I'm the guy with the toys. I'm the poor guy. I'm the addict. I'm the pastor. All right, when you lean into Jesus, when, when you no longer become Mr. I've got all the answers, when you can let go of your pride and just put it at the feet of Jesus. Pray that out. Okay, this is not some religious thing. This is relationship with a living, breathing God who loves you more than you can imagine that understanding and embracing the cross and, and repentance is, is part of your journey. It's the journey that defines you. Jesus is your righteousness. So you can exhale. You can lean into him and exhale. The throne of my heart has an incompetent ruler without you. 
I look to you for the love of you, the peace from you, to silence all the noise with you, to bring tranquility to all the scattered thoughts with you. I learn to think of you and not of me, to go deep in you until I lose who I used to be. With you, I can be everything you intended me to be. And it's in this sacred space where I lay my ability to be anything without you, where I lay my preconceived notions about you, where I forget about me, to remember life is about you, to remember I live for your smile, to remember I live for your smile, more than I live to please the crowd. Make me like water, see through me, see you through me, nothing left of me to see, cleanse me, immerse me in purity, wash me of iniquity, help me to choose you, to lavish you with a lifestyle worthy of you, to lavish you with more than words, to lavish you with all that you deserve. I surrender because you are more than my So it's like we have the two births, right? Your physical birth, spiritual birth, two deaths, you die physically, right? You die to yourself. We have two baptisms, right? One of water, make a decision to be a, a Christian, to give your life to Jesus, to leave the old sinful self behind you. Second baptism, I believe, after the water, the symbolic part of it is being baptized by fire. Especially if you're, you're addicted sexually. Sexual sin, it's confessing that out. It's getting it out of you. It's walking in light. As bloody and awful as it is come out and the light is. It's truth. It's being honest. In John chapter 9, um, Jesus and the uh, apostles come across this guy who was born blind. Right from birth, the guy's been blind, and the it's funny the the apostles look at the guy and they look at Jesus and they ask, so who sinned, this guy or his parents, that he may be blind? You know, like because he's blind, that must be karma, right? He's, he's blind, so he's bad, or he was bad. His parents were bad, so now he's being punished for for that. That's why he's blind, right? And Jesus says, no, it doesn't work that way. The scripture says, no, he didn't sin and his parents didn't sin. Now, what is he really saying? Now, I'm sure the guy sinned. Maybe he's a person. Um, it, it's That's not what it's about, is Jesus' point, right? But Jesus, he says, um, he says, listen, this guy was born blind that God's glory might be manifest in him. That God's light may shine out of him. That that he was put here to, to glorify God. That's why all of us are put here. And then Jesus grabs a spits in some dirt, rubs it on the guy's eyes, and cures him of his blindness. Um, now, did that guy sit there and, and get like a 
a priest come and talk to him and say, you know, if you can just be good enough, then you won't be blind anymore. If you can be like Jesus, there's this Jesus guy, and if you can be like him, then you won't be blind anymore. <clears throat> is that is that what Jesus was doing? What would Jesus do? Okay, I'm born blind. What would Jesus do in my situation? You know? No. Jesus heals this guy, right? And he says, listen, this is this is a picture of something, okay? People are blind. And I am the light of the world. And Jesus says this. That there's a, there's a kind of spiritual blindness out there. Read that whole chapter, John chapter 9. That'll be homework for you. Go read John chapter 9. You know, I remember in the 80s when the official answer from the church on AIDS was that, you know, it was wrath from God on homosexuals. AIDS, right? I mean, what? That's pretty horrible. Gothama de Buddha said, you know, if you don't live a very good life, if you have bad reactions, if you sin, then your next life is going to be bad. And you're going to just keep repeating bad. You know, okay? The Christian karma... Christian karma is, if you can't be like Jesus, then you get what you deserve. If you look at John chapter 9, the rest of the chapter, the, the Pharisees find out, the religious people, right? They find out that this man isn't blind anymore, and they want answers, and they go to Jesus, and, you know, what's this all about? And they investigate Jesus. There has to be a logical explanation, Your heart being transformed from the inside out, all right, there's not a whole lot of logical explanation for that. There's not a whole lot of PhDs who can explain it. I mean, I'm sure they can. They're, they'll try and they'll, I mean, I've read the stories by the, you know, atheist uh, philosophers and psychologists who say that it's just behavior replacement therapy. I'm here to tell you it's not. It's a, it's a transformation that takes place in your soul. That, that God is alive. That worshiping Jesus is not about karma. That putting your hope in Him, we are transformed on the inside by what we love. And that's the truth. The whole picture of communion okay it's like I said before you're burning fuel in your life your life you're like an engine and you're constantly burning fuel what does Jesus say about desire what does Jesus say the one religious kind of ritual thing that Jesus wants us to do to remind ourselves of him we eat the bread we drink the wine consuming Christ right Getting him inside of us. It's more than, you know, trying to trying to behave correctly. It's it's actually consuming love. Burning everything I'm learning. Not a match. Cause I don't get it yet. Shake out. Mistakes that I made 
I tried no matter how hard or how much you know a sermon or a message got me hit my heart and I'm up there I'm, I'm gonna hit the ground running I'm gonna be obedient now right I'm gonna be a good boy for Jesus I'm gonna be like Jesus and I would crash you know and, and I just out of knee-jerk reactions would end up falling again and again and again and again and as I as I kept you know that was my realization was you can't stuff it in from the outside you can't stuff behavior in from the outside that is such a huge thing that I need you to realize and God isn't after your begrudging submission like that right he's not oh boy you know just make yourself change don't be who you are be like a robot, you know? No, that's not what God wants. God doesn't want uniformity. He wants unity. God wants unity and love, not uniformity. It's another thing Chuck Swindoll said. He's talking about being uniform means we all wear the same jersey, right? We all wear the same uniform. We march in lockstep. We don't think with our individual brain that's uniform. Unif unity is different. I accept you, even though you may be different from me. I love you, even though you're not exactly like me. You're a different age. You're a different ethnicity. You don't really get it yet. That's one thing I'm having a hard time with, you know? Christians who hate me say they're Christians, right? Christians who say they hate homosexuals. I hate the homosexuals. I was like, what? That, okay, if you love God and you hate people, you're a liar. You don't love God. Because the top two commandments, Jesus says, remember this, you know, Jesus is telling the debate boy that wants to debate him about every aspect of the law. He says, listen, the whole law hangs on this. Love God, love other people. Love other people more than you love yourself. So what I want you to really realize is that buckling on the belt of truth is, is realizing that the worship of Christ is not about, it's not a self-help program, okay? It's opening the eyes of your heart. It's opening the eyes of your heart to see Something you maybe have never seen before because of what you've been investing yourself in. That reaching for Jesus is not becoming, you know, taking some class and, and learning to become this religious person. Because and Jesus heals this, this, this guy of his blindness, right? Later on in, in chapter 9 there, the 
the religious people they find out about this they 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 don't want to they don't have an open mind at all to what love can really do so i pray that you can get some time alone this week and maybe if you i don't know if you wear a belt maybe go buy a belt guys you know i don't know ladies next time you put that belt on of yours remember the belt of truth remember in real time day by day moment by moment to keep the eyes of your heart open as to what's going on around you how are you reacting to to the pressures to the stresses of life what do you reach for Because I can do it, you know. I can reach for biologicizing my reactions, or I can philosophically, uh, you know, explain my reactions, or I can psychologically explain why I react the way I do. But bottom line is, wh- why why do we reach for the shelf to reach for that book, you know? Okay, obedience to Christ is a heart level thing. It's understanding God loves us. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. It is deep. Christ, my Savior. Everything is going to crash and break, but I have Jesus. You know, these surfacy religions that say you should put all your stock and, you know, put your hope in, in how much money you can make or build this lavish lifestyle because then you'll have then you that'll be your savior right jesus is the catalyst you know to help you get your functional savior it's just it's not christianity it's not biblical christianity god is the hope giver right jesus is the hope giver you may not be rich all right you may not have it all together but Christ will save you in your heart. You invest in Him. You consume Him. You love Him. You put everything at the foot of the cross and say, you know, I'm not going to carry this baggage around anymore, Lord Jesus. Please take it. Please take it from me. I'm going to put all this stuff at the foot of the cross, praying it out. I don't know what to do, Lord Jesus, please help me, save me. Okay, that's looking at God as, as, as a relationship, as someone that you can talk to, as someone you can have a relationship with, as someone who will save you. Not this model set of, you know, books and tapes on, on the person you can be. Okay? You can't be Jesus. The more you the more you love him, the more you trust him, the more you put your hope in Christ, the more we just naturally start to become like him. Right? We don't force ourselves to. It doesn't work that way. 
It's building a relationship with Him. You know, if we love our father, if we're, if we grow up with a great dad, I know a guy, he, his dad's this awesome dude, and, and he's just loves his dad, his dad invested in him and stuff, and he became in, in, in the same profession, in the same, you know, the same values, the same heartfelt, you know, view of his dad, you know, I mean, he loved his dad, he followed his dad, he... And he ended up, you know, being a lot like his dad because he loves his dad, right? I'm not, I'm not trying. I don't want you to force yourself to be like Jesus because, you know, then you'll accomplish Zen or something like that. No. It, it's just, it's love. It just permeates. It, it glows throughout you. It's desire and it changes you. That relationship with dad, like the breastplate of righteousness that covers your heart, right? Like your your relationship with with dad, he's got you. He's he's got you. You know. I hear people that you know, Christian types that say, you know, well, Russ, I don't have a, I have kind of a boring testimony. My testimony is not like yours. I didn't do, you know, adventurous things and see drug deals and guns and, you know, sounds like something in a movie. And and you know, I, I pray to God that my kids have your testimony. All right. If you had a loving father, mother, if you grew up in a a decent, you know, home, people loved on you, people invested in your heart. Man, I wish I had that testimony. I pray that my kids can have at least some of that testimony. I pray that my kids can at least say, "Well, here's where dad turned a corner, maybe, you know. I didn't end up like him." breastplate of righteousness has to do with relationship and where our heart's at. Where's our heart at? What's covering our heart? Somebody's got your heart covered, right? Your holy father in heaven. The reason I want you to get involved in a church and maybe in a group, in a community group or is, is to have some people around you that can help cover that, that heart of yours. Help look out for you, right? They're not your functional savior. You know, group can be. I've seen that. And people put so much stock in group that it becomes bigger than Christ as something that's going to save them. No. Just walking this thing out together. Because, listen, part of you replacing... Your surface identity is going is going to be painful, okay? And that's another thing I want to talk about. You know, I touched on confession a couple of times in this in this uh, this series of shows, and I want you to realize that relocation of your heart, of your the focus of where you're putting your your hope in. Okay, I talk about the bomb squad a lot because there's a lot of truth to having people around you. You don't just confess you've had an affair just without anybody around to help you through that, right? Having some of the people of God come into your life and real Christians who can really help you, can really stand alongside you and love you. Having a, you know, a counselor or somebody ready 
before you confess. Don't just do this out of some knee-jerk reaction to be a good person. No, set up kind of a bomb squad to contain that blast. Okay? I heard a story about the witness relocation program in the United States. All right, when you start to unpack your heart, when you start to live out of your heart, you're going to be a threat. And like I said with the analogy to the ghost rider, you start to use all that stuff that the devil tried to use to bring you down. You use that to, to turn against him, to stand against him. He's going to come after you. He's going to come after you. The reason I'm, I'm writing this, this book the, about the bomb squad, this, this audio book I'm going to come out with soon, about the bomb squad is because um, the witness relocation program, the history behind that I thought was really uh, interesting. That Here in the United States, like if you're going to testify against like somebody in the mob or something like that, they put you in this, this thing called the witness relocation program because there are going to be people, organizations of people who are going to want to see you dead. They're going to want to take you out. And they said that as long as you follow the steps of the witness relocation program, as long as it's been around, no one has ever been killed. As long as they did exactly what their agents told them. You know, out of love. Because the agents don't want them to die, right? I'm not telling you this to make you conform to some set of rules. I'm telling you that, you know, if you can have people around to love you through the process of confession, it doesn't have to end in divorce. All right, that's another thing. If you're going to confess, really open the eyes of your heart and look at why you're going to confess. Is it because you just want to be over and done with your spouse? I mean, honestly. Are you afraid because you love your spouse and you might lose them? I was. Didn't want to lose my wife. I love my wife. And I know these confessions are going to come in waves, you know. You're going to confess, even if you send me an email, that's a little part, that's a little step that you can do, that's something you can do. If you've never told anybody, man, it's eating you alive from the inside, that's truth. Send me email, it's russ at asi247.org. Alright, the next investment you're making in your heart is you're you're talking to somebody, you're getting in a group, you're talking to somebody, you know, maybe even it's still online, you know. You go to higher-calling.com or you go to Triple X Church and, and you get on the message boards and you start to talk about it there a little bit. And and the next and the next part is you, you get in a group, you talk to a church, you find a men's group, um, a woman's group. It's tough for you ladies, I know. For men it's it's easier because men struggle with this and, and are more open to talk about it sexually. But you, you talk to somebody. You you talk about, you know, the stuff you struggle with. Face to face, person to person, with someone you can trust. And if you're like me, I, I, I know, I get it, man. I don't trust anybody. I mean, that was one of my struggles. It's one of the things I had to overcome is being able to open up to other people without this abrasive, bristly, you know, slack-jawed, leather jacket wearing, I don't give a crap attitude. Part of it's going to be that. It's going to be getting getting to where you can trust and open up in front of other people, other Christians, real Christians, you know. Not being alone like the Matrix and having your own team that's underneath that surface world. So, so I I get you know your your fear and your about confession, 
So, so understand that. Well, I'm not just talking about, boom, you got to go tell your wife tomorrow that you cheated on her or him, right, ladies? I, I'm, you know, this is going to take time. But I pray that you do it, and you do it soon, and you start investing. This stuff will eat you alive. I've seen the devastation. It's horrific. What what are we honest about? I mean, where are we at? If we open the eyes of our heart, man, I'm telling you, you're going to confess. You do this. You do it. You do it in a way that's not going to leave a blast and bloody carnage all over the place. Think about your your wife, her heart. Think about your kids. All right, maybe maybe the outcome of this is that you have a deeper marriage than you've ever had before. A deeper, more heartfelt, more trusting, more open. Listen, Jesus will save you from yourself. Save you from that surface identity you, you've spent so many years building. It's that breathing in and breathing out relationship. Jesus is saying, you don't know me, and I want to know you. It's not about your righteousness, Jesus says. I'll never leave you or forsake you, Jesus says. I pray that you uh, understand what worship really is, what you're really putting your hope in. Put on the belt of truth. It'll change your life. It'll change your heart. Till next time, remember, life is 20% the stuff that's happened to you and 80% how you react. Check out the website. It's asi247.org. You can send me an email from there. If you could leave a donation, keep that ripple effect of this broadcast going. Over 5,000 listeners a month now downloading the show. Uh, by God's grace, using me to communicate with you. I was a blind man. I was a leper. I was destroyed. My surface identity just ate me alive like like a swarm of termites. Ate away my heart. So, till next time, bye. Tell me how you gon' be without me If you ain't here, I just can't breathe It's no air, no air website asi247.org click on the music tab and you can uh, buy the music off of iTunes I don't get paid a dime for that by the way 
And, uh, man, I would certainly uh, appreciate, like I said, a donation. Even if it's a dollar. I hate begging for money. It sounds like I'm begging for money. It's just uh, it's just a dark kind of a time. But, uh, yeah, even a dollar, even $5 donation on the website would help. But also, if you want to download some of the music they hear on the show, I would certainly appreciate that. That's uh, it's kind of a way for me to promote the, the music, the bands, and stuff. I'm going to play, leave you with another song by the Steve Fee. I love this guy. I'm going to play a little half a song here, a bumper. And uh, I love this guy. This guy's great kind of evangelical, spiritual kind of Christian-y music, but it's, uh, it's theologically right addressing to art. So, until next time, bye. Every breath I breathe Offer of all eternity